Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Over 90% of graduating medical students join Doximity to use our tools before earning their doctoral degree. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. If you want to learn more about Doximity, make sure you go to your app store, type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. That's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Hey, 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 hello. This um, just anti-blackness is just running rampant. And I think the thing right now that is at top of mind for me is really watching the white women and white people um, in the DEI space really just not get it. And really just watch how their own internalized anti-Blackness shows up in just how they maneuver about everyday life. And so when I think about, you know, this concept around people saying that they don't see color, this concept around, oh, everybody should be treated equally. This concept around, you know, why are we making everything about race? It has to be discussed and it has to be discussed from the lens of anti-Blackness and it has to be discussed from the foundational lens of how people believe and think and operate based on what they've learned based on how they've been conditioned, based on what they have been consistently rewarded for acting within specific confines. And so when it comes to not seeing color, you know, not seeing color and the ability to say you don't see color that in and of itself is a privilege because the privilege is that you choose and you get the opportunity to disengage in anything that makes you uncomfortable. You get to disengage in things that make you uncomfortable. You choose to disengage in discomfort. And so by not seeing color, you disengage in discomfort. Because if you have to see my color and you have to see me, then you know that your life is better than mine, even if you're poor, because at least you're not black. You know that when somebody says, oh, you know, this person is well qualified or that person is well qualified, you can say, oh, well, I don't see color. Well, yeah, you can say you don't see color, but if that person's qualifications had not been explained to you in severe detail, would you still be saying the same thing? So when you think about, (laughs) and I, this is an example that I don't even like, but what came to mind instantly when the word qualifications came to my mind was Katanji Brown Jackson. 
and her hearing versus uh, Kavanaugh's hearing versus Comey Barrett's hearing versus Gorsuch's hearing. Those hearings, those were jokes. They were jokes. They didn't get asked anything serious and all three of them, they weren't even qualified, but they were qualified to do what was necessary. And what was necessary, right, is to turn businesses into companies or into people, right? That's what the our law says now, that businesses are people. Okay, and so choosing to disengage, right, in discomfort is in itself a privilege because as a black person, as a person who has color, I don't get to not see color because I am color. I have on a black top today, whether I have on a black top, a green top, an orange top or a white top even though white is considered the absence of color and black is the absence of color, it's a color, you can see it. Now, very few people have that condition known as color blindness. And so when you say you don't see color, you're just disengaging in discomfort. So let's talk about that discomfort for a second. And let's talk about the discomfort of engaging in any conversation, any dialogue, anything of depth when it comes to blackness and when it comes to black people. Okay. My dog is snoring in the background. So <laughs> it'll be really good that they'll have some music playing so you can't hear. Her. Um, but when you think about having the opportunity to disengage in discomfort and how sweet that pleasure is, how great it must be that you can walk around in life and not have to be uncomfortable outside of those normal things that they say everyone is uncomfortable with, such as public speaking, such as live streaming, right? Or, or writing or, or, doing anything that's communication in out in the public, right? Well, as a Black person living especially in a predominantly white space and especially living among white liberals, that's even more dangerous. Because if a person says they don't see color, then that means that they don't see my lived experience. That means they don't see my expertise or what I could bring to the table. It means they don't see me. And so when people say it to me, oh, I was raised blah, 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 not to see color. I said, well, you were raised messed up. You were raised wrong. And your parents did you and black people and people who are not white and who don't look white a disservice. I think about a conversation I had with a person a while ago who told me that they were diverse and this person was a male and uh, they were also gay and they told me they also um, were left-handed and something else. And I had to say to the person, well, first of all, none of those things can you see just by looking at you and it really doesn't matter because you're still white. And even if you were you know, in a large body, even if you had a physical disability, um, you're still a white person. And so therefore, 
you know, there is no sense of uh, comparison or a sense of camaraderie with the Black experience because you're still white. And what you have to understand is that the color of Black, the color of being a Black person this wasn't even a color that we chose. We didn't say, hey, we want to be Black people. Anti-Blackness was something that was formed in the fabric of how this country decided to steal, <laughs> steal itself, right? How to steal it from the Native Americans, right? So in order for America to have gotten to where it has gotten and to have thrived this long, it's done so on anti-Blackness. It's done so rooted in anti-Blackness because that is the only way that oppression thrives, that poverty thrives, that inequity thrives. It thrives because of anti-Blackness, because each person who comes into our community, who comes into the society, if they are not Black, they know they have somebody that they can what? Step on. Somebody they can crap on. Somebody that they can belittle. Somebody that they can treat worse. And Black people know that we don't have that person. And so when Black people get in those kind of positions, like in corporate and academic roles, and they do have that power, and then they use it to harm other Black people, I mean, you know, that's, that's coonery right, right there. And that's kind of something that happens. But it's because everybody sees color. Everyone sees color. And so I'm going to challenge white people and any person who was raised to see, oh, I don't see color. I'm going to challenge that thinking. Why is it that we don't see color? Because if we see black, then we see ourselves. If we see black, we see ourselves. Is that why we don't see color? Because if you say, okay, I see black, that person is black. I know that society views me as more valuable. That person is black. I know that if I could choose to cause harm to that person and get away with it because society would believe me over them. I know that if I commit a similar infraction to that person that I'm going to get over because we look different. Because everybody sees color. Everyone sees color. So don't say you don't see color. You can say I was raised to be blinded to the plight and circumstances of black people. I was raised to devalue the humanity of Black people. I was raised that I am better than Black people. That's how you were raised if you were raised not to see color, plain and simple. So you cannot pretend that you don't know how Black people are treated. When I posted about Jane Elliott back in July, of 22, because I don't know when you're going to be hearing or watching this, people 
seemed to like really lose their minds and I really couldn't understand why because Jane Elliott is you know what you call like old school right Jane Elliott been around for decades talking about you know you know how black people are treated and you know you don't want it for yourself boom boom so how did a field of DEI pop up out of that you know how black people are treated and you don't want it for yourself now we can for fast forward into the year 2022 we could fast forward into the year 2025 or the year 2030. And the bottom line is, you know how black people are treated and you know you don't want it for yourself. So what are you going to do? Continue to disengage? disengage? Are you going to continue to not be comfortable? Are you going to continue? Or are you going to acknowledge the truth, right? Which is, you know how black people are treated and you know you don't want it for yourself. Now, the next step is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to let it stand and just roll with it? Or are you going to really do something? And maybe you're saying, I don't know what to do. And that's okay. But I'm going to tell you first and foremost, you do know what to do. The first thing you have to do is engage in the discomfort. You have to step in the discomfort that you feel knowing you know how Black people are treated and you do not want that same treatment for you. Where are you in your life? What kind of job do you have? What kind of influence do you have? What's your power? What's your status? Where are you in your family, in your community, a team, a group, some colleagues, your neighbors? You know how Black people are treated. There is no excuse for it. Oh, well, a lot of them commit crime. Huh? No, white people commit the crimes. Look at the statistics. White people commit the majority of the crimes. Black people get arrested disproportionately and, and punished disproportionately, but white people commit the crimes in America. I can't speak for anywhere else. Look it up. And crime is proximate, all of it. So white on white crime happens, but white people leave their neighborhoods and go to black neighborhoods just to commit crimes. White people leave their neighborhoods and go to black churches just to kill people. White people leave their neighborhoods to go to, to, to seek temples and all kinds of places to cause harm and havoc on other people. So the bottom line is engage in some discomfort, right? And say to yourself, whatever I was pretending I don't see, I can't keep on pretending. How long are you going to pretend that you don't see it? How long are you going to disengage? How long are you going to, to watch a whole group of human beings continue to be treated like garbage. There's a great comedian named Godfrey, and he talks about how everybody, every community, every ethnicity, every nation craps on Black people, craps on Africa, craps on Black Americans. And none of the problems that are wrong with the world or none of the problems and challenges Black people face are 
the fault of black people are anything of our own making or doing. America is going down the toilet. Why? That's because people are greedy. People are stingy. People are oblivious and people are ill-informed. That's kind of um, all over the place, but greedy, stingy, oblivious, and ill-informed. It's true. The greedy, those 700 billionaires, and no, I'm not talking about Jay-Z, and I'm not talking about uh, Rihanna, and I'm not talking about millionaires and people like LeBron James, because there's so few of them. We can't count them as like, oh, this is a, a normal thing, because it's not a normal thing. All of that has stuff has been gatekept, gatekept, and it's still being gatekept because of gatekeepers and gatekeeping, right, which is color-based. You do not see a, a, a dark chocolate uh, Napita Nwango have that same success that Beyonce has yet. I'm not saying her success isn't coming, but I'm saying that Beyonce being lighter skinned is helped. Jay-Z being lighter skinned has helped. And what I'm saying is that anti-blackness and colorism and caste systems are all, right, part of this whole anti-blackness ideology, condition in which we find ourselves. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about, you know, dark-skinned people who look obviously black with thick coily hair like me, or whether you're talking about indigenous people, or whether you're talking about Asian people, or whether you are talking about people from Africa, you know, itself, right? Anti-Blackness is all about how we assign value based on color. So when we say that we don't see color, we are always lying about it. It's just like somebody says, hey, do I look good in this outfit? You know whether or not the person looks good in the outfit. You know whether or not you care enough about that person to tell them, no, you don't look good in the outfit, Susie. Take it off. The top's too small. The pants are too big. The sleeves are too short. Whatever, right? So as a white person, you definitely know that you don't want the way Black people are being treated. You don't want to be treated like that, but you're not doing anything about it. And so, okay, what can you do? First and foremost, you need to acknowledge that what you have been taught and what you have learned was wrong. And you need to unpack it, meaning unpack that whole community of folks, meaning unpack that whole thing, meaning unpack everything, right, that has you in that mindset and made you believe, right, that it was okay to disengage from the pain of other human beings just because those other human beings have different skin. 
Number two, you need to address the impact of what you learn, right? If you're in a position of power, like an HR manager or a boss or, or somebody that decides things like mortgages or loan rates, or I don't know what the heck, you need to address the impact of what you learned about not seeing color. And you need to address the impact of what you have learned here today about that you do see color and that you have previously disengaged, right, from the fact that you do not want to admit that you see how Black people are being treated and you know you don't want that life. You know you ain't about that life. You know you ain't about that life. That's why every time anything goes wrong, right, Black women are, are, are being like, you know, said, told we need to uh, be um, uh, in solidarity with y'all, huh? Because y'all need us because every time y'all not ever prepare for anything because you haven't, you're not used to dealing with the impact, right? So you have to address the impact. And third, you need to amplify everything that you're learning with your circle, your first, first and foremost circle, right? is your kids. If you have kids, if you are a parent, this is your primer. You have to unpack your own anti-Blackness, but what you have to do is amplify everything you are learning. So if you previously told your kids that you don't see color, everybody's equal, blah, 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 you have to say, that's wrong. You got to be like Creflo Dollar. Creflo Dollar, after 40 something years talking about teaching and preaching on the tithe and how the tithe is biblical. He said, throw away all them tapes. You have to throw away all the tapes that says you do not see color. You know, makes me think of my color pencils up there. You know, if we didn't see color, there would be no color. Everything would be gray and we all would be colorblind. So don't do it, right? So you have to amplify your learning, right? With your family, with your friends, with your community, but first and foremost, with your kids. Teach your kids that we all come in different shades, textures, heights, sizes, abilities, okay? But in our country and in our world, People with darker skin get treated worse and that needs to stop. And so you can start in your role as a parent by telling your kids, you're going to make sure that if there's a black kid on the playground, you're going to walk up to him and say hi, and you're going to introduce yourself and you're going to say, I would like to be your friend. And I know sometimes maybe the world doesn't treat you the way it should, but that's wrong. And I'm going to treat you like you should be treated. Now, because of COVID, I'm not going to say go in for the handshake or the hug, but you can go in for the uh, uh, the elbow bump, right? And the ankle bumps, right? Me and my kids, my, my say my kids, my friend's kids, we do knee, knee bumps and ankle bumps and hip bumps, right? You can hip bump, okay? But the bottom line is, you have to amplify your learning in your circle. So as a parent, it is up to you as your child's first teacher to teach them the right thing, to teach them the truth, to make sure that you teach them, yes, in this world, it is an unfair and unfortunate thing that Blackness has been made to be 
bad in our world, in our society. However, Black is beautiful. Black is brilliant. Black is bold. Black is excellent. Black is just as amazing as everything else. And there is no hierarchy of Black or white or brown or Asian or Latin or African or American or New Zealand or any of it, right? Is that that has all been made a construct to continue to keep things going in the status quo's benefit. And so if you're a parent, never, ever, ever teach your children to say that they don't see color because like I said, that's a dishonest assessment. It's a dangerous assessment and it's a detrimental assessment. And so at the end of this, the way you need to think about it is you want to continue to try to alleviate anti-Blackness in how it shows up for you in a personal way. That means focusing on yourself in a private way, not for kudos or clout to be like, oh, you know, I'm a white person and I did my homework, but do it for you. And then thirdly, get some professional support with it, right? So that you have an advisor, so you have a guy, so that you have somebody helping you. If you have the opportunity to have therapy or to have interaction with folks who are doing that work, then that is what you want to do. And so I want to say thank you so much for joining this conversation, this anti-Blackness primer. You do see color. We do see color. And I want to make sure that you um, stay tuned for more content, not only about unlearning anti-Blackness and unpacking anti-Blackness to alleviate it, but to learn and grow in your leadership, to learn and grow in terms of how you're going to level up, to learn and grow in terms of what you're going to do to really, um, you know, leave a legacy for this next generation of people who have done something instead of people who sat around and said, oh yeah, wow, it really got bad, you know, in 2015 and then it just got worse and worse. And now here we all are. Uh-uh. Level up. Step up. Right? I don't, I hate the term lean in, but I'll say it like in the cool way. Lean in, right? Um, and do something, right? But you do see color. We all see color. I see you, you see me, and let's level up, let's learn, and let's make a difference. So, hey, thank you so much. I appreciate you for hanging out and I will see you next time. Bye. When you're building a culture of belonging, every word counts. That's why Textio brings the world's most advanced language insights into your hiring and employer brand content. Our industry leading approach to artificial intelligence and machine learning provides the tools needed to find more diverse candidates. In short, Textio builds more equitable workspaces, guiding businesses and writing more inclusive job posts. And we're building on that success by bringing even more products to the market for all people who share our belief that language matters. Words have power. And at Textio, we harness that power to increase the access and availability of value-driven work for everyone.